Hey everybody, I'm here with pastors Robert Mullins, Brandon Wildman, and I'm Ricky Kennedy. And today we wanted to have a conversation about the book of Ruth and the sermon from Sunday. Um, as you may or may not know, we are studying through the Bible chronologically through our chronological Bible reading plan. This past Sunday's sermon was essentially an overview of the book of Ruth. And the essence of the sermon was around the fact that they experienced a lot of stressors, namely death. They moved. They had struggles financially and with family. And then we looked at their future and how we all uh, as well uh, have stressors in our lives. And just to recap the book of Ruth for us before we dive into this conversation, Naomi and Elimelech were from Bethlehem. There was a famine in the land, so they moved to the, the place called Moab because they needed food. Um, while they were there, Elimelech died and Naomi's two sons died. Before they died, uh, the two sons married uh, Orpah and Ruth. Um, so after the death of the men, the mother, Naomi, says, I'm going to go back to my people in, in uh, Bethlehem. Orpah and Ruth, you guys... You guys go back to your people as well. We're going to split ways. Orpah says, okay, I'm going to go back to the land of Moab. But Ruth says, I want to go with you. I will go where you go. Your God will be my God. And then the story of Ruth in the four chapters is the story of them being in need. And this guy named Boaz um taking care of them and providing for them. So the main, I think, point of the sermon on Sunday was this idea of, of suffering and stressors of various kinds that, that we all face, particularly death, moving, finances, family, and to the thought of our future. Um, Robert, you mentioned that everyone suffers, but we need to respond well to suffering. That's right. That's right. So when we looked at this story, you know, obviously we're walking through a chronological study and asked the questions, what do you prepare to preach? What are you looking at this week? What are we going to talk about? And the story of Ruth came to the forefront as, you know, there's so many stories, Brandon. There's so many things out there. Samson, there's, you know, all this that we're about to walk into. And the story of Ruth comes to the forefront that there's some interesting things at play here. You're not seeing a lot of God. You're not seeing a lot of the story of, uh, you, you know, of the Israelites and all these kind of things that come to pass other than traditional things like the kinsman redeemer that pops up to the top and all these sorts of things. Um, the big thing that happened is 
everything in their life was chaotic. Like they had all the stuff, all the stressors that we have in our life. They had those things. And what happens, ten, we, as, as, as churchgoers, we tend to read the Bible like it's some story that we can't touch with, we can't get in touch with, we can't um, kind of feel in our own life. But that's not true at all. And I think in this story specifically, there's so many relatable points. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because when you look at it, number one, it's short. So it's relatable. What what do most people want? They want something super quick. Um, They want something that's really applicable. It was right there in front of them. The the book of Ruth, the story that's in there, very applicable. Um, And as we focus on, on the suffering, we want something that's applicable. But yet I think in where we live, and you guys may want to comment on this, as we consider suffering, do we as a society living in Alabama, mm-hmm. do we actually know what it's like to truly suffer and suffer well or to grieve and grieve well? Like when we think of, you know, Naomi, like suffering, yes, but she had to the death of not only her husband, but her sons and no offspring. Mm. Like that's a lot to ponder to not have someone to to work with you. And so when when, when we even narrow it down to her and, and, and her suffering and grieving how did she grieve well? And so I, I think of like perspective is what I'm always going to go to. And when right. I think of, of suffering and we think of biblical proportions when, when suffering, oh, we don't have any, we don't really suffer. We do suffer personally. We all suffer at some times, but how do we work through that? And so I think if we, if we're going to focus on anything, as, as, as Ricky mentioned, you know, focusing on the suffering that she's going through, especially as we're looking at the first part of this. Um, and, and to me, we may want to think along the lines more, more applicable is going to be grieving. Right. And so how do we how do we actually process through grieving well so that we can handle the things that she did? Like when when she gets to the point in her life when she goes, just call me bitter. Mm. I am just done. And and God obviously has raised his hand against me. Mm. Like how how do you how do you get to the point in your life when you see all the things you're going to when you actually and for her, you blame God. What do you guys think? Well, I think the idea of grieving is so important for us. Uh, guys like Joel Mom, who was here in the fall, he talks a lot about it. Um, Todd Bolsinger, author of Canoeing the Mountains, other people like that. My own counselor was talking to me about, hey, you know what you're, you're dealing with is loss, and it's called grieving. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it was mind-blowing to realize that the change that – it wasn't the change that I was afraid of or the change that we don't like – it's the fact of loss, that there's this loss when things change around us. And we actually do go into this grieving mode as someone who just lost someone in, you know, to death or whatever. And so we have to process that. And we, we look at ourselves in the mirror and sometimes say, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I struggling to, to just get motivated to go do something? And it's because we're grieving. Yeah. And I think, I think what... And I think the key here is that she was able to grieve. Mm. And, and, and and it wasn't that, that Ruth said, oh, you'll, you'll be better in time. Mm. Yeah, She was like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay with you. And, and when we think of grieving and suffering in our, in our culture, especially as men, like that's what's in this room right now is three men. Right. We're told, hey, listen, man, you got to be tough. You can't, don't cry. Push it down. You can't do that. And what would it be for us even to have someone step into our life and go, Hey, it's okay. Like Mm. you need, you don't, it's not about, about you like getting better. It's about you walking through this. 
And I think that's one of the keys to this story is having someone sitting in front of her when she said, I'm at the lowest point of my life. And what you really should do is run away from me because I'm not going to be good to you or anybody else. And the return was, I'm just going to stay here with you. Well, it's I, almost I'm, like where it's almost like Peter with Jesus. Well, where am I going to go? Right. <laughs> You're yeah. all that I know. <laughs> I've given everything up for you. I, I joined into this family. With I'm you, in it now. And you've taught me something. And now it's been taken away. And I don't know any other way to do this. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to stick with you. Even in your suffering and grief, uh, Mama Bitter, I'm going to stay here with you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a, a huge point in my life recently, I've come to the realization that um, one of the things I, like previous Ricky, would have, like you mentioned earlier, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and trying to convince yourself that everything's good. I I struggled to know how to grieve, but I'm now learning that you just need to be honest when something happens to you that is unfortunate however unfortunate on the scale of one to 10, however much of a stressor or suffering that you are going through to be honest with it and to take it to the Lord and to those who are, um, are around you and just be honest with, Hey, this is, this is really hard that of what I'm going through. And, and, uh, that's what, that's what, that's what Ruth, uh, sorry, Naomi did. Now, one thing I wanted to point out, is that Robert in your sermon you pointed out that Ruth did respond well because you you made the point that we need to respond well to our suffering and what we see Ruth Ruth do is that she followed God and you made the comment to keep your eyes on the Lord through suffering and we we see that Ruth who was a Moabite, she did not return to her childhood gods, but she said, I want to follow the Lord. Right. Yeah, so, you know, you've heard me say the lines, you steer where you stare a thousand times. Lisa Turkist said that, the author. And uh, she uh, made a great point that you, you literally do go in the direction that you keep your eyes on. And I was thinking about those things after, even after I preached them, that those five points or whatever are so, they're so big in our life. And sometimes we may not be, say, you say, you know, you're listening to this or something and you're thinking, well, I've never moved in my life. I live right here. That's not even a deal for me. Well, I bet you this, I bet your future is a deal to you. I bet it's, I bet it's, I bet you think about your children or your grandchildren. I bet you think about where am I going to, you know, how are my ends going to meet? Your finances are a big deal. So there's always these stressors in your life. But the question really is, what is your, just like you said earlier, Brandon, perspective. Mm -hmm. Where do you keep your eyes? How do you, how do you deal with this? Um, I I love the idea of, of what you said, Brandon, of getting through it. I listened to a worship artist named Judah, and we talk a lot about him, of course, these days. You've mentioned him a few times. Yeah, that's right. I love love his songs and stuff. But he has one song that says this, maybe it's not about getting over it, maybe it's about getting through it. And wow, you know, that's where you see Naomi, even though she was bitter, this is the kind of an interesting thing. She is getting prompted from somewhere. She's getting prompted from maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe the Lord, to tell Ruth, do these things. 
go and do this. See what happens if you do this. Because I think if you do this, something good's going to happen. And so, of course, we know that that's exactly what happened. Ruth was obedient to Naomi's leadership, and that's what caused the whole um, idea that Boaz would marry her and the lineage would continue and all those things. So uh, perspective and keeping your eyes on the Lord, you know, just honestly, it's sometimes it's a lot easier said than done, and we say that a lot. But we have to be willing to carve out the time, energy, and effort to do it. Um, it's like I said the other day when I said, um, we always say that what is God's will for my life, but you're not reading the Bible. You know, what is what does God want for me, and you're not in prayer. What is, it's it's crazy. It's like an athlete saying, why am I not stronger on the, on the, on the deal, and you never go to the gym and work out. And uh, so we've got to be people that are understanding simply, here's here's pragmatic way to keep your eyes on the Lord, read the Bible. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about, you know, so so how, how, so in the midst of your suffering, your trial, your, your point of stressors, it's just continue pressing into the Lord, continue in prayer, continue reading your word and sticking with close to God, even when you don't feel like mm. it. Mm-hmm. It's always my encouragement to those who, I say this often, like, don't go to the world to solve your spiritual problems. And and in our social media context, we go to Facebook to talk about our job, talk about our boss, talk about our family, talk about stress at Walmart. We go to there to exercise these things, and then we want spiritual help from the world, and we're never going to get it. And it's like, quit going to non-spiritual things for, for the godly advice. Yeah. Um, go to the spiritual source. Okay, first of all, go to your Heavenly Father. Go in prayer. Go to the Word. It's not going to contradict. And go to spiritual people that you trust and know. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the keys that Naomi did. She didn't, I mean, she had a cultural view of, well, I don't have a husband and no kids, so I'm worthless. And so you are still, you know, marketable young women. Y'all can go and probably get another husband. I can't give you another kid to marry, and you wouldn't wait, on, wait around long enough for him anyway. And so y'all probably should just go and take care, you know, get, get married so you'll be fine. And But again, I think it's it's going back to what you said, Robert. Like she was getting some spiritual prompting from Naomi from the past. And so for her to go, okay, what, you, what you're telling me probably is right, but it's not godly. Mm. When we think about Job and his friends and his wife, like they were, sure, some of that may have been okay advice, but it wasn't godly wisdom. It was just worldly wisdom. You're suffering so bad. Why don't you just die? Obviously, you've done something wrong. And in his heart, he's like, but I know I haven't. Right. And I know even though God's not talking, he's not forsaken me. Right. Because I'm still here. And I think that's kind of where Ruth is coming from is like, I know you see things that are bad right now, but the God that you believe in, you taught me, I believe in him too. And I, I, I think there's something going to happen if you'll, let's just stay together and see what God does. Hmm. That's a huge thing. Yeah. There's and, an incredible faith that Ruth Yes. Lives out. Yeah. Like, it's almost innocent. When I read the story, I almost think of this innocent child when I think of her. But she's been through it, too, y'all. She's her got, husband died. Yes. I mean, her, her father, the whole thing. I mean, she's been through it all. She's literally standing at the back of the field picking up the scraps. Yes. Okay. But yet, she still has this quality about her that is innocent, is pure, is godly. And I think it, I think in a weird way, she just knows her place. And I mean that in a good, a positive mm-hmm. way. Like she knows that, th- that there's a bigger story at play mm-hmm. 
You know, I tell my boys, I say, hey, there's no chance meetings. You don't know when you're out and about and you meet somebody that God's God's weaving that conversation. He's weaving that thing, and it may not be about you, but you may be a part of that to encourage somebody else. You just don't know, and you have to be uh, willing to walk through that, keep your eyes on him, and, and let him do what he wants to do. Speaking of no chance meetings, would love to point out the fact that Ruth is a Moabite, not an Israelite, right. not mm-hmm. a Jew. Yep. And Jesus came through Ruth and Boaz. Yeah. And and I'm and I was reflecting on the promise to Abraham. God says to Abraham, Abraham, through your offspring, the whole world will be blessed. He did not just say the Jewish people. Yeah. And that includes you and me who are Gentiles. We're not we're not Jewish people. And a point that I think that would be worth making is or or looking at is um I think the the story of Ruth and Boaz is representative of Jesus reaching out to the whole world through his redemption um to to save the whole world not just a specific people because if you remember um the prophets said that that God would save uh, reach out to all people, not just not just the the Jews. And then when Jesus was ministering to the non-Jews, the religious leaders got got angry about it. And I just think it's it's such a representation because Ruth is a Moabite, not a not a yeah. Jew. Yeah, I think to me to resonate that point or, or to reemphasize that point, you said uh, earlier you just talked about the redemptive nature of Boaz in this story how he kind of plays that Christ figure you know in this story to redeem Na- uh, Naomi's family through Ruth and so the the interesting point there to me is this and I said it this way Sunday and I would emphasize that I'm gonna ask you Brandon uh, what do you think about this she's just normal mm-hmm. she's just normal and Ricky just said that God chose normal to be in the line of Jesus. Yeah. So what does normal bring to the world today? Oh, what does normal bring to the world today? Uh, typically rejected mm. is what it brings to the world today. The world's always looking for what's standing out, uh, much like the Jewish people were looking for, looking for the king and, and the robes and all that stuff. They're not looking for the normal. Um, and, you just it, for us to realize it again is where she's normal, she's humble, she she's Micah six eight. Mm, yeah. I mean, she's just walking life out, and it, it's even represented in her picking up the grain. Like she's not going for what's there; she's going for what's fallen. Wow, she's herself is even going for what was rejected, just so she can eat. And he sees all this. Boaz sees every bit of this mm. and goes. I'm just going to go be kind to her. In fact, not only I'm going to show her, I'm going to tell her where to go, and I'm going to tell these other guys, don't you touch her. You better not be mean he to her. He provided for her and protected her. Yeah, exactly. Provided for her and protected her. Like, what is what is a huge thing to this woman who's just trying to stay guarded, trying not to be seen, just in her trying to provide, just trying to get some food, yeah. trying to work, and, and he's seeing every bit of it. And I think, again, rewarding the normal, rewarding those that are just faithful. She wasn't doing anything illegal. She was just being obedient. She was doing the work she needed necessary to take care of herself for that day. 
And then what do we see ourselves in our calling? You know, Micah 6, 8. But also, what do we see what Jesus is telling us to do? Just stay faithful. Just stay faithful to the call. Press on. Press on. Yeah. Like, yeah, times are going to be sad. Finances are going to be garbage some weeks, some months. Your future sometimes feels like it's un- uncertain. Family is, is my goodness, family is just family sometimes. You know, if I'm using quotations as we're talking, you can't see it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> right. But sometimes family is just awkward, and we, we still have to go through. You can't get over family. If, you're, if your bank is in a negative, you can't just get over that. You're going to have to suffer through that for a while. But how do you respond? And again, I think there's so many great applications from this book, from this study, um, and where we are in culture and what is going on in our own lives and personal lives where we go. We're not, it's not about getting over it. It truly is about going through it so that we can get to the perspective where we look backward and go, wow, what a mighty yeah, God awesome. we serve. Yeah, absolutely. He and never lets us down. Never lets us down. I think what's beautiful is that the book of Ruth has a happy ending. It has a really sad start, but has a happy ending. I love happy endings to stories. Yeah. yeah. And what you see is that they went from suffering to comfort and they went from in need to provide it for. And I know that we can all think through stories in our lives where we went through similar things. And it's a, just a reminder that God really is our provider. Whatever, whatever you and we are going through today, God wants to comfort us. God wants to provide for us. And obviously one day he will, all of our needs will be taken care of in heaven. So we are people that have hope. Well, thank you for joining us in our Crossroads conversation today about the sermon from Sunday and the story of Ruth. We pray God blesses you today and, uh, We will see you next time.